Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Welcome, persisters and brothers. Today, I'm pleased to announce that I have the wonderful Tracy Phillips with me, who's patching in from Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, Tracy isn't just a performance coach, and I'll give her a chance to talk more about that in a minute. It's not a performance coach per se, but she does a lot of work coaching people, and part of her practice is on saying the right thing, knowing what to say at the workplace, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a a worker in a business or a government agency, I suspect, how to show up your best and say the right things during hard times. I don't think we've ever needed that more than right now. But Tracy also went through something personally that she'll share about her story of not only persistence, but how she was able to turn that into something that helped us all know how to show up best, say the appropriate things when someone's going through a a hardship, maybe a hard conflict at work, whatever. We're going to talk about Tracy's wonderful show, also called Eavesdropping in the Moment. So I'll let her talk about that later and her coaching practice. But First of all, I just want to hear from Tracy the Human about her story of persistence and how she's brought that to serve you. Thanks so much for being here, Tracy. Oh, Elizabeth, thank you so much for having me. It's it's a real honor and pleasure to be able to join you. I love what you're doing here on this podcast show. Thank you very much. So you wanted me to share a little bit about the story. So the story of persistence in my life, you know, I've had a few, um, but this particular one I know stands out because I think you know, it's, it, it taught me a whole lot. And it's certainly something that, that I, br- I brought forward, you know, into my coaching. And when I try to help um, give that perspective on for my, for my clients, but um, my daughter, who's now 13, uh, when I was pregnant with her, it took a little while to, to get to that point. Um, I actually had gone about two years uh, without success getting pregnant. My husband and I were trying to start a family and uh, had met with, you know, the doctors and done all the tests and, and from a medical perspective, you know, they couldn't figure out what was going wrong because everything seemed to be in working order. I just wasn't getting pregnant. So I finally kind of got some alternative support and, and, and finally was able to conceive, which was wonderful. Um, but during my, my pregnancy early on, when I went for that first ultrasound, uh, you know, again, I, I was at a, a, a hospital which is a pretty well-known, I won't mention any names of hospitals, but pretty well-named hospital, teaching hospital. And they like to cover all the bases, right? They, they, they want to make sure that they're looking into every possible thing. And that can be both a good thing and, and a challenging thing. And where it came as a, a challenge for me is, you know, they, they go looking for problems. Right. <laughs> and so when we go looking for something, we oftentimes find it. And what was happening in the ultrasounds is they thought, oh, we're not sure if the development of the baby is quite right. But there was nothing to tell them that it wasn't. It was just this constant communication. We're talking about the importance of communication that there might be a problem. And as you can imagine, as a first time mom, I mean, I'd never done this before and and it taken so long just to get there that just hearing this 
was incredibly stressful. And so, you know, there was never anything that we'll, we'll check, we'll see, we'll see what happens next time. So then you have this period of time between ultrasounds that you're, you know, you're trying not to worry, but it's hard not to. And I remember, you know, really trying to see it from both sides, which is oftentimes a hard thing when you're going through something like that. You want to just say, well, tell me definitively if there is a problem or stop scaring me if, if unless you know that there is. And I finally realized early on, I had to be my own advocate. I had to speak up. I had to ask for that because what, what wasn't happening is they were just doing what they, they do and what they were hired to do, which was, you know, make sure things were okay and find any problems that might be there. So I think it was like the fourth ultrasound and, you know, yet again, they came back and we think there might be this. And I finally said, is there, is there someone I can talk to? about either signing a waiver or something that says that, you know, unless you find something definitive that you just don't say anything to me, I, I, I want you to feel like you're doing your job and I'm not telling you not to, but as, as a, as a mother, right. <laughs> this is incredibly stressful. And I remember the woman who was the tech at the time who I asked this of, you know, she just looked at me like, I don't know if we ever thought about it that way. And, and which was completely baffling to me because how could you not think that what you're saying to me is going to cause stress, which is not good for me or the baby. But she kind of just kind of looked at me and, and, and like, oh, we're so, I'm so sorry, of course. And then the doctor mm-hmm. came in, the doctor, female doctor, she was she was very kind. And she says, oh, Mrs. Phillips, I'm so sorry. We didn't mean you know to to give you undue stress or anything. Of course, we'll be mindful. Thank you for asking, you know, we're, you know, and so that was, they wrote it down. So I was kind of the the patient that then was like, oh, okay, we're going to like, you know, do it this way. And, you know, so, and that was fine. But then there were other things along the pregnancy where they wanted to put me on fetal monitoring and everything. And, and I just asked for what I needed. And, you know, yet you can't always get it. I mean, I got it with the ultrasounds, but other there was a lot of pushback in other ways. And I remember sitting, I used to have to take a um, a little shuttle from where you park to, to the actual main hospital. And I was sitting in the shuttle coming back from yet another kind of what felt like a tug of war with the doctors. And I, at that point, I was probably halfway through my pregnancy. And so, you know, as you get larger and, the, and and as the baby grows, I mean, there's both the positive and, 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 you know, when you're told all along, there might be a problem. There's also that stress that comes with that. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, all of the outside information is, is really hard for me to navigate because I can't control it. Right. right. I can't control how these doctors are responding to me. I can't control you know, how the hospital manages things. All I can control is myself and my body, which this baby right now is a part of. And I'm responsible for that right now. And so I remember getting very crystal clear. And actually, I'm sure the the shuttle driver might've thought I was a little crazy. I was in the back of the shuttle, I was the only one on it. And I started talking to myself. I really was talking to my baby, but I was like, you know what, little one, I think this is between you and I, you know, why don't you tell me if there's a reason to worry? And if I don't get any inclination from you, I'll just assume everything's fine. And let's 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 have that packed. And so we did. And I would check in every day. And after a time, I, I I actually literally, I mean, I didn't hear actual voices, but I literally could tell when she was communicating with me. And I would say, hey, little one, how are you this morning? And I'd get this little, mom, I'm fine. I'm fine. And 
she was such a ball of energy, like just, she was so happy, you know, even in utero, like her energy to me was very happy and very, you know, very full of life. And, and, and that gave me hope. And that's what I basically used to kind of get me through. And when I made my decisions, what to do, what not to do, it was always basically going in. I mean, touching base with my inner guidance and the help of my, my, my little, my little daughter. Um, and I got through the pregnancy, you know, I mean, the, the irony was with all of these other stresses, I had an absolutely fabulous pregnancy. I didn't have any morning sickness. You know, I've had lots of energy, all of these wow. wonderful things. Um, and I was under the care of a nutritionist. So that always helps. But, you know, I got to the end and I remember one of the last check-ins and I was like, how you doing? We're getting close to the end here. And, and what I heard from my daughter was very interesting. She says, mama, I'm just fine. And if there is anything wrong, it can be fixed. And there was a sudden thought of like, oh gosh, I wonder if there is something wrong. But then I just kept thinking, we made this pact. We've, we've gone this far and she was born. She did have a condition. She had to have three surgeries before she was two. Okay. It was all fixable. There was nothing, you know, and, and I even remember, so I was in, she had, they took her off to the, her first surgery right after she was born. So that was a little difficult because I, I only held her for 10 minutes and nursed her and, and then off she went. And, and so that was a little difficult, but I was in my hospital room recuperating um, from, from labor, which I had been in for about 18 hours. And a doctor came in for me to sign a waiver. Uh, and he, you know, and this is again, at the very end of all of this and another doctor, you know, there, there's like always a million people coming and going. And he explained to me that this particular, this particular condition that she had came with a 50% chance that she would have brain issues, heart issues, lung issues, major system issues. Serious, serious, serious issues. Could I please just sign the waiver that I understand that this information has been delivered? And I thought, after all this, you know, I thought, oh, okay, she can be, and then possibly there might be this other thing. And I remember looking at the doctor and I said, do you have any idea what the information you just delivered? Do you have any idea how that affected me? And he just looked at me because he was, you know, it just, they're just doing their job. Right. And I said, I have just been through 18 hours of labor. I have been told every step of the way that there could be a problem with my daughter from the first ultrasound. I have managed to get through this much of it. My husband isn't here right now because he had to be taken away for, for work at the time. I'm sitting by myself. I'm in recuperation. My daughter's in surgery. I don't know how that's going to go. And you want me to sign a waiver saying that I understand that she might also have another major condition. I just want to communicate that you might want to think about how that information lands before you communicate it. Wow. That takes a lot of wherewithal to be able to, in that moment, communicate. How did the doctor respond? Well, it was really interesting because it took him a moment. I think he had to process what I was saying to him. And all he really was able to manage to say was, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I mean, I'm just doing my job. And I said, I realized that as long as you understand that it isn't just about what you say, it's how you deliver it and how you say it, that is really, really makes the difference. And, and again, I don't slight you for doing your job. I just, I just want to communicate with to you how that's affecting me right now. And I'm, I'm happy to sign the waiver and thank you. And off he went. And I was, I sat there for another about 10, 15 minutes and I was just, you know, 
pondering kind of like, okay, what do I do with this new bit of information? And another doctor who had been a part of the, my, my team, uh, the peds team, actually, who was there, you know, to help my daughter, you know, transition after they knew she needed to be taken to surgery and stuff. And she was just checking in on me. And we talked for a few minutes and I, I, I told her, you know, what it had said, I'm still trying to process this information. This other doctor just kind of, you know, put in my lap and, you know, she, she said, I'm so sorry. And, and that, you know, all I can say is there's many of us here, (laughs) you know, not everybody operates the same way. Um, But as she was leaving, she turned around and she said, Mrs. Phillips, we all could learn a lot from you. Thank you for communicating. Wow. You know, That's thank you powerful. for advocating. Yes. Thank you for advocating for yourself. Thank you for communicating because we can only make changes when we know. Right. And she left. And, you know, that was the piece I thought, wow, if I had to go through all of this, you know, it was to train me to look in and trust my inner guidance. It was to train me to stay in a place of respect and, and compassion because it would be very easy to get very angry, you know, and, and very kind of push back on the system or even individuals within that system. But I understand that they were all just doing the best they they knew how, but that that didn't stop me from also advocating and sharing and communicating. So it was, it was a really strong lesson all around, I think for, for everybody involved, uh, you know, I'd like to believe, but certainly for me, you know, in understanding my capacity and power, not only to, ha- to handle very uncomfortable and difficult you know, situations and experiences, but also to do it with grace, to do it with, you know, this is all my mother ever taught me growing up is, you know, you, you can deliver things a variety of ways. You may be under stress or under duress or whatever it is, you know, but, but you always have the choice of how you handle that, right. How you handle that situation. So, um, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity and, and we, we all got through it. My daughter got through all of her surgeries successfully, and she is now, you know, operating as a quote unquote normal <laughs> uh, human being. And we're all very grateful for that. Um, but, you know, I'll never forget, you know, those, mo- that those moments of decision, right. I'm going to freak out, you know, am I going to carry this stress or I'm going to find another way to somehow mitigate or navigate it. And I really loved how you mentioned that even in the beginning of this awful process, some of which was an awful process, you also thought about their perspective as well. And that helps you probably deliver your message with grace because you're thinking to yourself, they are just doing their jobs and they're reducing their liability because they want to let you know, hey, I told you this might not turn out well. And so that's really what's drummed into them, but you knew that. And yet they still could do it differently and they could do a different job. And it takes a lot of wherewithal to advocate for yourself but also to have that sort of compassion and empathy for them, clumsy though the process was. So I really congratulate you on that. That that goes a long way in those communications. How did it go from there with that team as your daughter was healing and doing better? I mean, were there relationships that you still maintained with some of the staff after yeah. that experience for a little yeah. while? Well, that's a great, that's a great question. And I think, you know, overall, this is how, you know, things follow us, you know, is, is that as we choose to engage, you know, that becomes kind of the, the way in which people become accustomed to engaging with us so that they learn, 
what to expect from us. And she had the entire, the same Pete's team all the way through because she, the, the surgery process that she had was a three-part process. So it was the same surgical team, you know, uh, going through the entire process with us. And so course over two years, you know, we got to know them pretty well and follow up doctors and all of that. And, um, you know, one of the women who followed the course and actually she wasn't even a part of the team was she was the woman who was in charge of fetal monitoring at the hospital. And she was the one that I kind of um, pronounced that I would come in on Mondays and Fridays, but I was not going to come in every day of the week because I mean, I lived almost an hour away and to drive every single day just to be hooked up to a fetal monitor, you know, I wasn't going to do it, but I would do it on those days of the week. And she's like, okay, she followed the course of what was going on with us all the way through. She was always checking in. And she said the same thing as the other doctor who had checked in with me after um, Maddie's uh, delivery, you know, who she said, I just, I have to tell you, I have never seen a patient advocate in such a, a holistic way, right? You're not just advocating for yourself, but you really are striving to work with us. And, you know, and respectful of our, you know, why we do or how we do what we do. Um, and she's, she was just, she was just kind of, you know, I guess impressed, you know, with that whole thing. And so she kind of became a friend and, and someone who kind of followed us along. But I think the team in general, I had such trust in them. They were some of the best. I mean, what we, we got very, you know, thankfully we got very lucky that this particular condition that my daughter had, uh, this particular hospital had the number one peds team for that particular type of surgery and that particular process, you know, so fantastic. That is just fantastic. Yes. Right. And I oftentimes went and thought about that. It's like, okay, yes, I'm maybe feeling a bit mismanaged in these ways, but if it meant that we needed to be here for this, you know, bigger and larger process, you know, then you know, I, again, we come to navigate based on understand, I believe based on understanding when we get to see more of the whole picture, right. we're not just operating under the, the narrow myopic view that might be one part of the picture. Right. Right. Like how I feel right now, right. You know, which, which may be stressed and I'm not going to just make that my entire story. So. Right. And it's not that it's unimportant. It's just not the entire story. The other thing I can't help but think of, and as someone who's also gone through some really hard times, is if you indulge yourself, and I've certainly done the wrong thing at times uh, in those hard times, but if you indulge yourself and let's say you just went off like a firecracker one day at the doctor as you were going through all of that stress, you gave yourself, whether you meant to or not, permission to just really emote on them. Mm. Now you've got three years of working with this team. And sometimes the things that you say cannot be unsaid, no matter if you apologized or just pretended it didn't happen or whatever, that would only add more stress to you and frankly, your child and the team, which is exactly what you don't want to have happen. So I just really applaud your ability to advocate for yourself, but with grace, like you said, in a way that left you as a team member mm. and a strong team member rather than as a victim in a negative circumstance. That is really wonderful. I really mm-hmm. adore that. So congratulations. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me about your your business now and how some of those experiences from your life, and I know there were other issues too where you persisted, but how you work with people to help them advocate for themselves and to say the right thing in challenging times. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, all of these things, and you know, this, again, the story I just told is is one of the many things you know that that I've, I guess we could say, navigated in my in my life. And I and I oftentimes say that we have the experiences we do because we're somehow supposed to learn something in those to pay it forward. So I oftentimes think about that. It's like, what do these different challenging experiences, you know, teach me when a client may be, you know, in a similar situation or in something where I feel like that vantage point could be really helpful. But one of the things with communication I always think about is, you know, first you, you want to get clear with what it is you're communicating, you know, and sometimes in the moment when it has to be a quick communication, you know, that, that only offers a certain number of seconds perhaps. But if the closer you can be to acknowledgement of who you are and how you want to show up in the world and, and why that's important, then you can use that as a measurement stick in any situation that you're in. So even, you know, taking a step back for a minute and go, okay, let me just collect myself here for a second. What is it I want to communicate? You know, how do I want to communicate that? And why am I communicating it? Right. You know, I mean, because sometimes, you know, to your point of saying, you know, when we get really upset or angry or, or reactive, you know, we don't think about that's not something necessarily that would be something we would want to communicate. We're doing it more because it's coming from this other emotional place. And so if I went, uh, sometimes it even gets to that final one of why, why am I communicating? It's like, oh, why am I? I don't know if I really want to be communicating it now. Right. Or maybe I don't want to be communicating it to this particular person or people at all. Maybe this is something I need to just work out within myself. But getting getting clear on that, because as long as I can answer those questions, then it's something I should move forward with. But also the other pieces, thinking about how it's going to be received. Because I, you know, the Maya Angelou quote, and, and I don't necessarily agree with the last part of the, the, at least the way I look at the wording, but she says, people may forget what you said and they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you make them feel. And it's the how you make them feel part I don't necessarily agree with because I don't think we can make people feel what right. I understand. Or feel the way they do or they don't. But we get the point of the quote. Right. You know, the quotation is basically to say that, you know, how some how you are with people impresses upon them who you are to them. And, and so how that, how is like, how do I want to be received in the world? Right. Um, And, and, and that is completely my choice, my responsibility and under my control. Um, And so that's one of the things that as simple as it seems, I always tell people, you know, let's look at that from a broader perspective because people, you can always say one time, I'm sorry, I was in a bad mood, but if that becomes a pattern, people know that you couldn't really be sorry because they keep seeing you show up this way or they keep seeing, they keep experiencing this from you. So you can only, you know, cry wolf so many times before people stop believing you right? um, just go by how they're experiencing you. Um, But also too, to recognize to your point about being on a team, that if you do want to move something forward in a different way, going about it from a place of the reciprocity or the reciprocal relationship. Like how can we build a give and receive here so that you're going to want to work? So if I'm advocating for something, you're going to want to work with me. You're going to want to see my point of view. You're going to want to understand where I'm coming from, as opposed to creating something where the person's going to be defensive. Even if the person did something terribly wrong, right? In your eyes, because again, it's always our perspective. Right. Right. We don't have to come at them 
you know, in a, in a blame shame way, that's only going to set them up to be defensive and not want to align with whatever it is we're advocating. So it's really about setting, setting the stage. And again, that holistic look, what are you trying to accomplish? Right. Right. At the end of the day, is it simply just to be mad <laughs> and to just spit fire at someone you know? right. uh, or to make them feel bad or whatever? And if that is what you're going for, then probably mission accomplished if you're just, right. <laughs> if you're going for something more, if you want to be seen, heard, acknowledged, understood, and worked with, then that's a finessing thing. And it isn't so much about a sales game, like you're trying to set it up to, to, to manipulate it. It's really more, when I talk to my clients, it's about, it's about alignment with you. Have you thought about the person you want to be in the world? Right. And is this reaction or response one of alignment or not? Right. I like that so much. The the intentionality behind it, the choice, and again, the grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as we move forward in our lives, whether it's we're looking at politics or horrible world events or a personal crisis, just remembering that communicating in this fashion could help propel us forward or communicating in the other fashion and allowing our emotions to just get the best of us and feeling entitled then to just letting them all free flow out onto the next person. That's not going to propel us forward. So I really love that. Tell us about where we can find you on your coaching, because I just think that's fascinating. I've looked at your site and it's beautiful. And I want to put this in show notes. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So my, um, I'm known as the innate coach and that kind of came through a conversation with a client years ago where he says, we talk a lot about things that are innate to me. And I thought, Ooh, I'm using that. <laughs> right. Right. And, Wonderful. And is, what's core to you. Um, and so, you know, at the innate coach, what we really try to do is, is understand what I call the zone of brilliance, which is what you were born with, right. This set of values uh, gifts, if you were, you know, even skills and talents that are just natural to you, um, that are really your true value to the world, and how that can be supported by what I call the zone of achievement, which are our learned and earned. Those are the things we learn to do once we're out of the womb, and through experiences in school, and and you know, through our credentialing, that we come here not to identify as our main value, but as a supportive value to our our innate value, because both of those together creates our zone of impact. And that's really the legacy piece, right? What we're here to leave behind. And so at the Innate Coach, we're really, I'm, I work with um, usually second uh, level growth uh, entrepreneurs and corporate professionals who are visionaries. That's my specific niche as I work with okay. visionaries. Um, and I help them to define those lanes so they can align them to their choices and actions and communication um, so that they can feel more like in, in that place of fulfillment, right? When we're home in our lane, Right. We feel that that's where we feel fulfilled. Um, but if we don't know what that is and we're constantly in and out of it, which visionaries can do very easily, um, then it's it's harder to, to come to that place and make the impact we want to make. Well, that's terrific. I love it. Very specific, very uh, on point. And again, you take in a whole lot of life experiences and your education, which I know is extensive. You have a master's in curriculum development or what, tell me a little bit about your credentials, but yes. And, and then making that work for the next, the next uh, client. It's fantastic. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, my first career was as an educator and curriculum developer and uh, instructor, 
for a variety of, of schools in uh, foreign language. So I would go in and develop and create their curriculum, run the program, and then right. go on to the next opportunity. Um, and so it did. It taught me a lot about, you know, how to take something that's needed and develop an actual framework around it um, so that structures. I'm all about tools and strategies. Um, one of the things I'll leave your listeners with as well when it comes to communication strategies is when we communicate, always remember it's from our lens and perspective. And so we use things like I statements. You know, I realize that this is my perspective and I'm speaking from the I standpoint. So even the story I'm making up, I love this one. If somebody said something to me and it it gets me and or touches me the wrong way, say, well, the story I'm making up about this is that you just said X, Y, and Z. Because what that does is even if you're kind of putting that back, like, oh, you said something that maybe I even found offensive, instead of saying you offended me, right, which was probably not their intention, it's to say the word, the story I'm making up is this, and I am feeling this way. So we're taking full ownership, which oftentimes then does not place the other person in a defense. If anything, they can come back and say, oh, no, no, that's not what I meant at all. Or, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for that to hit you that way. This is what I meant. And now you're in a conversation as right. to, you know, potential, what could potentially feel like, you know, something confrontational. So it's really about taking full ownership of not only our lens, our perspective, but also our feelings. Right. right? There's, there's a difference between you made me feel and I feel. And we should right. always speak from the I position as opposed to the you position. Fantastic. Fantastic. And a great way to end. And so we know where to find you in your coaching business. We also know that you have eavesdrop in the moment as a podcast where podcasts are available, correct? Yeah, actually, that's on Facebook. It's through Facebook. Is it? Okay. Mm -hmm, Wonderful. Okay, good. And that's, is that on a specific Facebook page or your personal that is okay. it's on Facebook. It, the Facebook page is eavesdrop in the moment. I love that. It's such a great title. <laughs> Fun now escapism. Now 2020 quarantine with a cl- colleague of mine. And we just started having these biweekly phone conversations. And he says, well, there's a lot of great stuff that comes up in these in the moment talks. Why don't we just go live? And so we did, and we've been doing it for over a year and it's, it's a lot of fun. So good. I can't wait to check that out. And thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. You offered a lot of good insights. I'm so glad, Liz, but thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe. And I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.